Well, welcome everyone to Plant Profits. I am Vern Davis. I am your host of Plant Profits, and Plant Profits is brought to you by Protus Global. My guest today runs a social equity cannabis brand. That's a lot. Providing customers alternative products to deal with challenges and stress of everyday life. My guest today, and I want you all to welcome to Plant Profits, Tiana Woodruff, CEO and founder of award-winning brand, Queen Mary. Tiana, how are you? Hi, good morning. How are you? I am so um, honored to be here, happy to be a guest, and thank you so much for that wonderful intro. <laughs> ah, it was uh, it was true, succinct, and sweet, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, absolutely. Well, look, we've, uh, as you know, I've been trying to get you here uh, yeah. on our on our show because I'm really, I, I obviously, I'm aware of your story some, and I want others to be aware because I think you you've set a blueprint on how to get some of these things done that are very very difficult and expensive to get done. Uh, but you also blueprinted a journey that won't be the same for everyone. But I'm sure the level of difficulty is about the same for everybody. Is the the road may be a little different, but there'll always be those turns. You go down those dark alleys, and you just don't know what's going to happen next, right? Absolutely, you really don't. It's the wild west out here in cannabis. <laughs> it is, I mean, it really is. I mean, you know, you go. There's certain states that you know are writing policy as they're allowing licenses. You know, like even here in Cal in Los Angeles, we have consumption lounges op opening, but we really don't have rules for them yet. And just different things. You know, exactly it's crazy. It's just people don't understand how much how hard cannabis really is. They see the green rush and there's this whole, like there's so much money in cannabis and it's like, no, <laughs> are you kidding? Because the government A is taxing, like there's no other industry, tobacco or alcohol that gets taxed 46%, you know, basically. No, I, yeah. We're taxed from seed to sale. There's a cultivation tax for the farmers, the farmers to the manufacturers, the manufacturers pay tax. Then, you know, the, the brands and then the excise tax going yeah. out to Distributors and then the then the consumers go into a dispensary and they get charged city and state next side. It's insane how much taxes you know really are killing the industry. But there's a lot more to it than just that. But no, it it is it it is, and everyone has a story. And I kind of want to know your story. I mean, I know that you grew up in a very tough part of Los Angeles. Is yes, that I was, right? I was born you, in Los Angeles, um, in a yeah. you know a tougher area. Uh, you know, I was born at the the Kaiser Permanente Hospital. It's off of like the 405 and Cadillac Avenue. Yeah, I know <laughs> where that is actually. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, that, yes, that's um, that that's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> you know that's that's crazy. So, but as a child, I, I just want to as a child in the environment that is, and you can visualize what that is, right? What was your perception of the plant? I mean, as a child, I didn't have much of one. You know, we okay. was still considered you know, passe. I mean, my dad was a musician, so obviously he partaked and stuff. And I didn't, you know, as a child, you don't really understand or know, you know, right. in my teen years, a little later, you know, getting to brown people that smoked yeah. and kind of was, I saw it and was kind of, you know, you see your eyes are open to a lot of things. You see okay. more than just cannabis, obviously, as well. You know, right. the 90s and the 80s were very much, you know, especially in a lot of areas, a lot more than cannabis was going on, you know, the communities. And, you know, we've seen lots of TV shows about how, you know, the crack epidemic and right. all of that happened as well. So, you know, 
even though cannabis right now is on the forefront in those in my early days, that's not what was really I mean, just they know the drugs was huge, obviously. And we were taught cannabis is the gateway drug. You're going to, you know, smoke cannabis and then have a crack pipe in your hand. But you weren't cho- really taught to fear cannabis as much as you were taught to fear the crack and, right. the, you know, all the other mm-hmm. stuff was yeah. just so much bigger. Cannabis sort of took a back seat. Um, and But it still has a stigma today, um, despite all of its benefits and all the research that's being done. And, Absolutely. you know, um, we're just getting, we're just, just scraping the surface of what cannabis really can be. No, no, you're, you're absolutely uh, correct, uh, Tiana. Uh, we are. And so you, you, you mentioned just say no to drugs. And then we had the war on drugs. Right. Right. Now tell me about that. You saw that right up front. I mean, you lived in a place where you could see right up front what that was a very, as we know now, that was a very damaging thing. It was very damaging. And, you know, um, I was one of the few lucky ones, mostly because, uh, you know, not to be too much about my personal life, but my parents divorced when I was younger. And my mom, yeah. you know, when I, my dad was in the area, my mom kind of moved away back home. And so it was kind of like a back and forth sort of thing. Okay. So but, you know, yes. Uh, you did see it. Our friends, family, neighbors, you know, you see so many people you knew that were hooked on drugs. And it wasn't yeah. marijuana that was breaking families apart, even though people were being arrested for selling marijuana and making a profit off of it. Right. What was really hurting families was the use of a really, I don't consider marijuana an illicit drug. So when I say illicit drugs, I'm referring to, you know, the crack epidemic and other right. ho- heavy drugs and seeing needles, you know, in alleyways and things like that, you know, as a kid, when you're playing and, yeah. and it, it happened everywhere, not just Los Angeles. My, my husband grew up in Denver and he'd say the same thing. He lived in five points and, He's like, you know, we'd be in the alley as kids and there would be needles all in the alley. And, you know, it's something we had to deal with as kids. We throw them aside and you keep playing because, you know, as children, most of us are so naive and just kind of, you know, we just want to play. We don't want to go home. We want to stay outside with our friends. But um, you did see the families and you did have friends that their mother was or their, their father was incarcerated or their mother, you know, was hooked on drugs because the father was incarcerated and she couldn't deal or couldn't afford. And, you know, the projects that just. There was a lot to see. It was a life. It was a, le- a lesson to be learned and things, you know, you have to make decisions when you grow up. What is it? Do you want? Who do you want to be? And are you going to mm-hmm. be a part of that? And, you know, I was fortunate enough to have a, a mother who made sure that that wasn't my situation. Um, but that isn't the case for most. So, um, right. yeah. <laughs> right. You saw family, friends. Yes. go through a different uh, Absolutely. path Absolutely. or took a different path. And that was did. not just in my childhood. That's still today. Um, yeah. I I live in Los Angeles and I had a very dear friend who was a neighbor that had cancer and had battled a blood, a cancer, but died of an opioid overdose um, because she was addicted to the pain meds from the cancer treatments. So that is, and that just happened a a few years ago. So, I mean, it's something that's still very present. I just had my, you know, 20 year class reunion and we lost someone very near and dear that we, a a fellow cheerleader from my high school Uh of an opioid addiction, you know, it, it just, it's around and it's still around and it's, it's a real problem. Yeah, it, 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 it definitely is. It definitely is. So talk to me about your engagement to the plan, right? Because obviously where you are today, you had to start somewhere. Yes. Right. So how did, how did the plant become something to the point where it would make you say, huh, you know, this is, 
this is something that I can get into in a very right. passionate, persistent yes. way. Yeah. Um, uh, well, I started in the cannabis industry per se. Um, back in the late 2016, I started as a delivery driver here in Los Angeles. Still a during, delivery driver. A yeah. delivery driver. I delivered okay. for a couple of you know can- medical companies, door to door delivery. I worked at night from like because I wanted to avoid traffic, so <laughs> okay. um, all over the city from like 8 p.m. to like midnight, sometimes 2 a.m. delivering okay. cannabis door to door. And um, I saw that a lot of women were actually um, the customers that were ordering it because there's a lot of women don't usually go to dispensaries. And, you know, fast forward a few years with Prop 64 and the um, things going into cannabis. That's where I got my start. But that's not really where my passion with the plant began. Um, What I had in my aunt, my mom's only sister, my favorite aunt in the world. She died a few years ago of an opioid overdose. And it's something that, you know, as a family member, you watch and you you try to help. And when they die, you're like, I could have, would have, should have, you know. Yeah. And then um, about a year later, my grandmother, her mom, was prescribed the same drugs that destroyed our family with my aunt. Yeah, the same opioids. And so... I took it upon myself to say, we're not doing this again. Um, You know, after like a year of her being on them, my sweet little British grandmother was kind of, you know, she was spidey and mean and wanted her, you know, it just changed her personality. Changed personality. Pain will do that, right? Yes, yes. Pain will do that. It will do that. They were prescribed to her because she didn't have any, you know, she was 90 years old. (laughs) Opioids at 90, that's that's a great start, right? (laughs) She didn't have any cartridge left in her hip. And so she was bone on bone and it was really hurting her. And so that's what they gave her. And I, you know, she was never really, I guess, a cannabis advocate or get against it, but I started buying her candies, like the Swedish fish candies. Okay. Yeah. She lived in Colorado. And um was from playing their cannabis infused. So she had a little sweet tooth. And so I did started, you go like, live with her? Tiana, did you go live with her to well, take care not, of her? I didn't How did they live go? with her? What happened uh-huh. was my family decided they were my mom and my brother and everybody. My mom was taking care of her at this time. She was okay. in my mother's house. Right. Um, they were going on a, on a vacation to London, which my grandma was from for a couple of weeks. So I live in California, went to Colorado to stay with my grandmother and care for her for like the two and a half weeks they were gone. Okay. And during right. that time, that's when I literally just was like, no, <laughs> that, that um, can't happen. You said <laughs> that can't happen. No, that, so her, her that, white that, pills were, I was giving her, were now I was not giving her her opioids. I was giving her, um, ibuprofen and uh-huh. cannabis <laughs> and you know she had a lot of problems with swelling in her feet on things and in the two weeks it was the longest two weeks of my life let me tell you weaning someone off of opioids is not um easy and they kind of go through withdrawals and a lot of uh-huh. things and it was a very long when my family came home i said don't call me for christmas i'm not coming home i've had enough <laughs> like it was not easy um but it oh in essence it did give her a better you know longer years of ending years of her life before she did pass because you know she became more into edibles and you know and getting off of her opioids so yeah did she get that personality back that you remembered a little bit yes yes you know because she was always that that literally the epitome of like a little little british lady with tea time and cucumber sandwiches and she was always so caring and giving everyone loved my grandmother and she always kept her accent she had a little british accent Mm -hmm. (laughs) so that's kind of where my story began and where a friend of mine had given me um a book because she knew i was really against opioids and what they were doing. I tell you what, Tiana, we're going to take a break and I want you to start right there with your friend giving you this book. Okay. Okay. Then we're going to take a quick, quick break from plant profits. And I'm Vern Davis. I am your host of plant profits and plant profits is brought to you by Protus global. My guest today is Tiana Woodruff, CEO and founder of award-winning brand queen Mary. 
We'll see you on the other side. Plant Profits will return so our sponsors can profit from these messages. Welcome back, everyone, to Plant Profits. I'm your host, Vern Davis. My guest today is Tiana Woodruff, CEO and founder of award-winning brand Queen Mary. Now, Tiana, you're talking about, we're continually talking about how you got into the cannabis and the effects of cannabis. And you said you you have a friend who gave you a book. Pick it up from there. Absolutely. So my friend gave me a book called Change Your Brain, Change Your Life. And it was written by uh, Dr. Amen, who happens to be like a psychologist that has rehab centers around the country. And it was just about the effects of opioids and what they do to your body and how you can offset those by taking natural supplements like rhodiola, mm-hmm. B12, albanine, and um, and how you can treat that. And so it really kind of struck struck a chord in me, um, in you know using natural supplements, and I, I believe in that as well. But if you've been around addicts like I have, like my aunt and my friends, you can treat the symptoms of depression and anxiety and you know all these different things. But when you're taking drugs, prescription drugs, they also mess with their CB1 receptors. And there's something else that comes with that along with the, 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 that addiction happens because you get a very euphoric high that people keep chasing. Um, okay. So that's where I kind of got the idea is, well, what if we took cannabis, which is also known to help with depression, you know, depression and anxiety, mm-hmm. um, and it combined it with these natural supplements. And that way your tree actually have a little more control because we know those plant strains vary and their terpenes and different things mm-hmm. that affect you. Um, you can kind of come up with a formulation that will control that helping of anxiety and depression and, you know, sleeplessness and that kind of thing and still get that euphoric high in a more healthy, structured way that isn't mm-hmm. as addictive. And so that was the basis of Queen Mary and how we came up with, you know, our alternative to addictive prescriptions. And so we infuse those, those vitamins and uh, um, adaptogens into our edibles for for a more um, complete experience. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Um, now, building your brand. Okay. So you, when did you make the decision to get, actually just dive into this? So, um, when I was delivery driving, actually, I had the okay. idea when I saw in California that Prop 64 was coming up and that people yep. could a- apply for a license. Right. I was like, aha, I'm going to do this. I'm going to start my own delivery service for women with women drivers. That's how it started. It was actually just going to be a service, Queen Mary. Okay. Um, and then as soon as I literally in January of like 2018, after Prop 64 passed or whatever, or it might have been 2019 because it takes another year. I, I don't even know. The years have flown by. What years? They, but, they really have. But yeah. um, I applied for a license. I literally went to the, the, the Department of Cannabis, the DCC website, and then, you know, put in my application, did all the things they said, and they got back. This, to me, this like, is every- through the L.A. Social Equity Program? That was before LA Social Equity. This was right okay. when it had started. Okay. Um, I didn't even know about LA Social Equity at the time. I just wanted a license. I didn't okay. know anything. I was very okay. green, <laughs> to say the least. No pun intended. <laughs> um, however, um, so the state got back to me and they were like, everything looks good, but where's your license to do business in your, your city? And I was like, it's right here. Here's my business license. I applied for a business, you know, like, mm-hmm. they're like no, you have to get a regular, like a cannabis license. And I was like, oh, I didn't know the, the DCC mm-hmm. in, Cal- in LA was a thing. And so they told me and I was like, okay. So then I go to the DCC and find out mm-hmm. that 
it is much harder to get a license than you know. The licenses are limited. And I found out about the social equity program. I saw, you know, what the criteria was and that I qualified. And so social equity was this big thing in Los Angeles. Yeah, you know, a lot was, of people yeah. applied. I had no clue. I really was clueless. Um, I just put in, I built, I did the whole process on my own without the help of an attorney or any kind of like, you know, consultation. I just went mm -hmm. through the process, filled out the questions to the best of my you know, knowledge. And I was accepted into the social equity program. I was granted, you know, at the time they had tier one and tier two access. I was granted both. And they said, here's social equity. Good. I'm like, okay, cool. So what does that mean? Tier one and tier two? So what, what does that allow you to do? Yeah. So they've now, they've since revamped the program, but individually there was tier one and tier two. So tier one social equity meant that you had to have 51% controlling interest in your license and in your business for social equity. Okay. Um, and uh, that was granted to people based on certain criteria that they had, you know, on income, zip code, prior arrests or anything like that. Then they had something called tier two, um, which meant that like if you qualified under the same criteria, but with like at the time, I think it was like 10 years in a certain zip code. But if you were there five years, you got tier two mm -hmm. um, and tier two was 33 percent of mm -hmm. um of social equity license was to you. Um, and that was kind of a protection to keep people from like taking away your business, um, okay. predatory things. Uh, they had good intentions. It didn't really work out the way they did. As you know, when people have bad intentions, there's always a loophole. They that's will find right. a way. That's um, right. So that's what happened. So I was qualified under both tier one and tier two social equity with granted the status. And then what they did after that was they opened it up for um, license applications. They were giving away, um, you know, a hundred licenses. They said you had like, there was about a three and a half week period that the, it was open to apply. The okay. kicker was you had to have a lease on a place in order to apply for a license. And that's Wait a minute. where they got it. So, so if you have more applications than you actually have licenses, that means there's going to be X number of folks that are stuck with a lease that can't be utilized. Absolutely. Okay. So what happened was in the first round, there were 1600 people that were qualified for social equity. I okay. think 800 people applied for the license in the window and they gave out a hundred licenses and it was done on a first come first serve basis. Now you have to remember, I said, I was really green and didn't know anything that was going on. I had no idea that, that right. when the window opened 150 people applied in the first 10 minutes, I'm thinking I got three weeks. I got to go find, you know, I'm just in yeah. my own little happy. I'm going to do cannabis world. I'm going to go find a lease. I'm going to do all. And that's what <laughs> I did. And like the 11th hour, literally like the last day I'm putting in my application with the lease that I finally got on a place in North Hollywood. So I'm so excited. Um, and then I find out, you know, down the road, that was, I, I had no chance to begin with. The system was set up for me to fail. Um, I did not get a license. I wasn't included in the licenses. Um, I ended up, after not being included in the first round of 100 licenses, you know, the city got audited. Mm -hmm. I actually put in for what was called a PCN application, which is a public convenience necessity. It's okay. kind of what liquor stores have to do. You go to city council and you go into like a, a neighborhood that has undue concentration and you make your plea to have a to have a dispensary. Mm -hmm. So I had gotten a partner on my own at that point, And this was like six months later. Um, 
had gotten another lease on the west side, actually, okay. in Brentwood, like the most prestigious area so they, in Los Angeles. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I was so excited. That's and then, perfect. Yeah. Right. right? That's but then everything came crashing down. We had the recall in Los Angeles with the with the DCR. I mean, like the whole audit that happened. Mm -hmm. Then our mayor got recalled. And so did the city councilman on the west side that was approving my application in the 11th district. So what happened was there were three licenses that were supposed to go to the to um to be approved and he let them go because he was busy dealing with so the way they had set it up is if you go for a pcn you pay a fee of like five thousand dollars for the application you have 90 days to get city council to approve to approve your license if they don't or if this is during covid by the way let me say when they're not even hardly meeting if they don't even meet or do anything you still didn't it was it was null and void so it was a risk beginning with so we ended up losing the, losing that, didn't get the mm -hmm. West Side application, um, you know, lost my partners, my business partners at the time, you know, lost a ton of money on the, mm -hmm. the rent, like $50,000. Oh. Um, it just was crazy. And wow. then I found, I came across this wonderful group because I was on the internet and dealing with people and learning about social equity and kind of building my network called Our Academy, Our Dream, which is a, a nonprofit group that did like a 20, it was doing a 20 week um I guess a cohort, like a thing to, to teach you about social equity, teach like you an incubation in incubation. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like a class uh -huh. we met twice a week for, for like 15 weeks. Okay. And so I joined that. And once I joined that, it really changed everything for me and it opened my eyes and I learned so much about the business and I started Queen Mary, the brand, um, okay. which is how that came into fruition. I was like, okay, I found out that I didn't need a license to start a brand. So I did that. I, you know, went through and had all this paperwork, you know, a business plan, did all this. And then, right. you know, at the end, I had this wonderful plan and no money. <laughs> but what I was lucky enough to do is because of the, the cohort that I was in, I applied. Um, there was a company out here that was giving away a $10,000 grants to social equity people. You, you didn't have to have a business. They just wanted to see what your business plan was, what you were doing. So okay. I applied and I won. So in, in 2020, in 2021, Right. After all these couple of years had passed, I received a $10,000 grant from this company. I literally took that $10,000 and just went right into production of the, of the, um, brand. I actually, of the brand. I made, I started with two gummies, my day and my night. And I just did as much as I could afford. And um, I found a manufacturer and a distro distribution partner. Um, I did my, you know, I had nobody to do sales or anything. No. My distro had happened to own, you know, a storefront. And they said, we don't do sales. We just do straight distro. However, we will put your product in our store. So that was my first store. That was, was your collective. first store. I'll tell you what, <laughs> I want to get into Queen Mary, the brand and the business. Yes. Okay. When we come back, because that's quite interesting. You could have taken that $70,000 you spent maybe and just started building Queen Mary. Uh, that's interesting uh, <laughs> uh, revelation there. I'm Vern Davis. I'm your host of Plant Profits. And Plant Profits is brought to you by Protus Global. My guest today is Tiana Woodruff, CEO and founder of award-winning brand Queen Mary. We'll see you on the other side. Plant Profits will return so our sponsors can profit from these messages. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to Plant Profits. I'm Vern Davis, your host. Plant Profits is brought to you by Protus Global. And my guest today is Tiana Woodruff, CEO and founder of award-winning brand Queen Mary. And we just got into, you know, Tiana has just begun to, to make the product. And she's created a brand. 
and she's finding ways to get it in distribution. And she found her, her distributor had a storefront. She's gotten a little distribution there, uh, display action there. So take it from there. And I really want to know what makes your brand unique and why did you do it the way you did it? Because it is, uh, it is healthy, very healthy wellness product. So, yes. yeah. So tell us, take us through that, that, that whole part of your story. So, you know, when I started, I was like, you know, the plan of Queen Mary, I had thought of, I'm going to do pre-rolls, I'm going to do a wine, I'm going to have a vape, and I'm going to have like gummies. Well, obviously I didn't have the budget for that. So I had to really think about where I was going to start. And I started with the gummies because I was able, it was an edible and I was able to do the adaptogens and the things that incorporate what I really wanted to do um, with the brand. So that's what I started with. And I did the Enchanted and the Moonstruck, the Day and the Night Gummy. I had the Rhodiola and the B12 and the CBN and all the things that make Queen Mary what it is. Mm -hmm. And I sat down and I wrote out like, okay, what is it that I want from this product? What am I trying to do? And what message do I want to portray? And so I came up with, you know, Queen Mary, a fixin' for a vixen, because I'm a woman and I wanted to really market to women and women only. And people thought that was risky in the cannabis industry because it's mostly male dominated. But I knew as a delivery driver, women were using cannabis, you know, we were there. Um, We just had to be more tapped into as a market. And so um, that's how I got my start and kind of what I was working on. But um, so I became a wellness brand and, it, you know, it became like all right. about um, and this is before people started talking about terpenes, which has all mm-hmm. come up in the last year and like all the different cannabinoids and mm-hmm. different things that kind of like most brands. I looked at what was out there. I did a lot of R&D. I okay. bought every gummy that was on the shelf that I could trying them out, seeing what the effect was, taking notes. Um, it was it was a process. It took me okay. a few months. And okay. um, then when I came up with creating my own gummies, I would do blind tests with my friends and give them a bag and like not tell them what's in it and just say take like they were different numbered and tell me what the effect was and what they preferred. And my gummies were always everyone's favorite, which made me happy <laughs> without yeah. knowing whether it was somebody else's or a competitor's. They, you know, they're just gummies in a bag in like a little you know baggie. So I went ahead and pushed forward with that. And I when I finally got to the right formulation and what the effect I wanted to be for my gummies, um, I always there's a lot of um I guess, you know, recreational use of cannabis. There's always the culture, you know, the, the, the behind it, whether it's hip hop or jazz and stuff, but there's also the medicinal part. And I, that was Absolutely. what my choice was, was to go into the medicinal line. Um, you know, there was a lot of brands out there doing different things, but my message was very clear, um, you know, a natural alternative to addictive prescriptions. And it really did me well because stores listened. When I was going in, they're like, you know, mm-hmm. everyone's got gummies here. We've never heard of you. Who are you? And it was like, I had to sell myself and sell my story and sell mm-hmm. what my product was about. And I slowly started one by one gaining stores and then having to support them and, you know, do display, like what they call PADs, patient day, you know, just demo days and mm-hmm. talking to the community. And I just started doing more and more events and setting up a table and educating the public and educating people more and more about the health benefits of, of cannabis and what my product was about and what it did and getting people to try it. And the feedback was phenomenal. And so that's kind of how I got here. And, you know, with the Emerald Cup that I won here in California, yeah. I had only been in business for a couple of months. I was in one, two stores at the time. No now, when was, was that? When, 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 so when did you actually get win that award? I won the award in May of this yeah. of 2022. And, and you your, your brand your just, go ahead. Yeah, but you had to submit your products by February, like 
13th. So they had him wow. for a long, like way okay. in advance. And it was my okay. first run. Um, okay. No one had heard of me. That's why I, I just submitted it because someone said, you should try it. You know, and I, I was like, okay, I'll submit to this. And then it was crazy because I won. <laughs> and uh, it was, you know, a long story short, I was wow, you know, very, it was an honor to be humbled mm -hmm. and to be recognized by, you know, the people up north in, the, in Humboldt County, which are like, you know, the, yeah, that's like, uh yeah, yeah like it, it's, it's 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 the cannabis place to be yeah. and you know um the fact that you know i'm unheard of no i was in no stores and they're just trying my stuff said a lot to me and i had to explain to people like i won based on product only there was no marketing behind it there was no we've heard of this brand or anything it was just another and gummies are a big competitive market oh, you know? it's behind three rolls yeah. there's so many brands it's insane yeah. And, you know, we've been doing well here in our small footprint in California. In the tell tell us about that. Where, tell us about your penetration into the to the consumer marketplace and where that's going and how you're doing it and what the plans are. Absolutely. I, you know, was going to stores by, you know, just walking in. <laughs> Hi, right. I'm a brand, you know, can I bring you samples? And there's a lot of uh, regulations behind sampling. I can't just take samples of my product into a store. It has to go through the metric system, which is all tracked and traced. So I have to yeah. like talk to them and then agree to have my trucks come, you know, and I pay for this without them even buying, like deliver samples to your store. And then I mm -hmm. have to follow up and say, did you get the samples? Did you like them? Can I get you to order? Like it's a process and buyers here are not eager talk to new brands and they're not eager to <laughs> try new things. It is not easy. Um, they are very inundated with a lot of products. There's a lot of overkill shelves are overstocked. And mm -hmm. products that they're, they're trying to sell the stuff that's in their store, not bring new stuff in. So it's yeah. a very big challenge to get shelf space in California, especially. Um, yeah. And I just, I, paved the way by doing something different and, and, and telling my story and people okay. connected with that. They connected with me. Um, okay. And so that's something that I've been known for in this industry is that, you know, my voice, I, I used my voice, you know, um, I made a place for Queen Mary and I made a story and something people could like follow and understand and people believe in. And when your products back up what you're saying, you know, and not only did I, did I, did I, was I telling the truth, but my products were the same, you know, my profit margins are very slim because of what I choose to do with my product. Um, a lot of companies don't do, don't have the full spectrum rosin, you know, they, they use. Let, let's talk about that. What, what should consumers, other brands, uh, you know, folks like me and investors, anyone what should they know about queen mary that sets it apart from other edibles and why you're winning the awards and what do you know pure cannabis uh lovers really like about what you bring to the table absolutely so one thing about our products is consistency and quality are the two biggest things i am adamant about um okay. every batch be the same and the quality be where it needs to be if i stamp the guarantee on it like when i'm at um festivals or something especially if you're able to sell some festivals you can sell direct to consumer and people yeah. look at me and i say if you buy this gummy and you don't like it find me and email me i'll refund your money personally like mm -hmm. and nobody has ever taken me up on that everyone comes back and like, where can i get more mm -hmm. um I think what steps us out is, you know, is the fact that our gummies are fast acting, they're full spectrum rosin, mm -hmm. um, they're vegan, they, I don't add any like additive sugars or anything like that. We use monk fruit to sweeten um, and no artificial coloring. Like both my gummies look pretty much the same. If you didn't have them in the packaging, you don't know which is which until you okay. bite into it. Okay. And we use all natural flavors. And what's great about it is a lot of edibles, people have like um, 
there's a there's a stigma against edibles. Like you take them, you forget about it. Two hours later, you're a little high, and then you have the stepping stone effect where you get yeah. higher and higher, and then you're like, uh, I need crash. Mm-hmm. Well, what's great about our gummies is you don't have that because they're fast acting, and we use rosin in its full spectrum, which means we don't strip the plant just for the THC. We keep all the terpenes and all everything intact into the plant as much as right. possible. So when you get that high, and it usually takes about 15 or 20 minutes, it hits you, you're high, and that's where you stay. And then mm. it dissipates over a few hours without that crash. And so it's very easy to microdose if you need to know where you are, because you'll know in 15 minutes, I'm good. I'm happy mm-hmm. I have that little euphoric high. Or if you want to get higher, you have a little more. Um, and then, so it's really good for what I say, the can of curious and the can of serious. Okay. Um, that is the point of our product. <laughs> okay. No, that's that that's great. And and tell me about market penetration, right? Where uh, You're in California. Yes. All right. And uh, any other markets? Absolutely. I, yes, I'm actually expanding right now as we speak. Okay. Um, I'm working with a manufacturer in Colorado. Um, okay. So I will be on shelves hopefully by mid-January in Colorado and in New Mexico as well. Okay. And then we are also going into Arizona hopefully by the end of like February at the latest. So yeah. I'm working on expanding into three states right now. Yeah. And it's insane. <laughs> um, we're not doing, people tend to think that, you know, you get a licensing deal and you kind of sell your brand name. People will make it in the state and pay you a fee like we're Pepsi or Nike. Mm. That's not the case. That, that's not cannabis. So I've literally had to do what I'm doing in California in each state, which is find a manufacturer who's going to produce, work under their license and market out to the stores. And I have great partners. I'm going to be in 30 stores in Colorado and other 30 locations in New Mexico. Um, Mm -hmm. So we're coming out strong out the gate. Unlike in California where I started with one and then two. And then after like six months, I was in 12 and now I'm in like 25 or 30 stores and a couple of delivery services. I'm coming in a lot stronger in these other markets. Why is that? Why is that? um, I well, I'm an award-winning brand, and I have a little more recognition. Um, I've uh-huh. actually met people along the way that support my brand, and um, they're bigger companies that are wanting to work with me and put me in their stores. Um, mm-hmm. That are like basically what we call MSOs, multi-state operators. Yeah, so sure. that's a deal that I have going with buying, you know, raw ingredients and going out into their stores, you know, with marketing. So I'm really mm-hmm. excited about that. So I'm not really starting from the ground up. I'm, I have stores already ready to put me on their shelves. So I'm not right. excited about that. Now, do, do, are you marketing this brand as, as uh, a, a female brand, a woman brand, or, or are you marketing I, it as a community brand? I market as a female brand, but however, I, I've had, you know, I have a good friend that um, is ex-military and he loves it for PTSD. Yeah. I would say, you know, men, can, you know, every, anything that's for a woman, a man can do too, right? We say the same yeah. thing on the other side. Um, but, you know, when marketing is, you can't just market to everybody. You have to find your niche. You got to know what you're, you know, if you market, to, if you say you're, you're, your consumer base is all cannabis users, you're not going to get anywhere. You know, um, I have managed to be very focused in my marketing and very uh, concentrated and showing up at events and, you know, Queen Mary, Vixen for Vixen, women, you know, helping mostly women that are stay-at-home moms that Mm -hmm. are, you know, uh, young professionals or women that do both, you know, that have to stay, have to take care of kids, single moms, and have to go to work. And there's a lot of stress and anxiety and people are taking meds like crazy right now. Then the pandemic happened which really affected people's mental health like people are really still 
struggling and they're looking for something, you know, to help them. And I'm hoping that Clean Mary, I'm trying to position it as an alternative to going and taking these addictive medications that are destroying families. Um, mm-hmm. You know, something a little easier, something you could control and have a part of. So that's been the message with Clean Mary. I do, you know, market towards women and try to be very targeted. But of course, you know, anybody can use this. If we can help you, that's what right. we're here for. Right. No, that's great. That is that is good. Um, are, are you um, are you active in the political scene of cannabis? A little bit. Okay. I always have something to say. I do a lot of panels um, okay. around in different conferences and stuff. Um, I would like to be more active. I'm actually just got nominated to be. We'll see on the board of NCIA, which is the National uh, Cannabis Association. Yeah. So I'm hoping that I get on the board for that because I think it would mean a lot to me. And there's a lot of advocacy I can do. Yeah. Um, you know, my thing is to help families that are left behind in the cannabis. A lot of people, you know, there's organizations like 40 Tons that they, they help families too, but they're helping incarcerated people or, right. you know, um, the people that are trying to get out of jail because we're making money off a plant and people are still sitting in jail for it. Absolutely. But besides that, I'm about the mothers and the children's that the children that are left behind yes. for the fathers that are in jail and you know women that were became addicted to drugs or something you know families were separated. I happen to be a foster mom here in Los Angeles and okay. know that um, children of color are taken from their home at five times the rate of white children, mm-hmm. and but yet most foster parents are white. So people were causing trauma to those kids in the fact that we're removing them from what they know and putting them in an area with people that don't understand their culture, their background, or, and it, it's, it's, we're, we're creating, you know, generational trauma and we mm-hmm. don't, we, we're trying to do better and we're not, uh, you know, we're not necessarily making their lives better. So I'm a big advocate in that. I'm really happy that we signed, Gavin or Newsom signed the, the thing in California about how cannabis is no longer a reason to remove kids from the home. That is huge, um, yeah. you know, cannabis use. I think, you know, alcoholism and other things are reasons, but cannabis doesn't cause you to be mean or evil or do things that you should, other, other things make you do. So yes, um, I would like to get more involved in politics. I have a lot to say. Um, Right. Um, I think I'm very persuasive. Um, I'm finding my path as I'm working through it. <laughs> That's that is great. What does the company look like? How are you? How many people involved in Queen Mary? It's like I'm ashamed to say this, and yet I think I should be proud. It is me, 100% me. I do wow. my marketing. I do my accounts receivable. Uh-huh. I do all my sales. I do all my connections, and it's like I literally put in like 15 to 18 hour days, seven days a week, just so people understand this isn't easy. It is, you know, that's what it takes. It really takes right. a full on commitment. I'm blessed enough that I'm married, that my husband has a decent job, and we're living off one income because I haven't paid myself. Like my company all the money it makes it goes right back into the company like i don't right. have, i don't i don't have i would love to hire people but i don't have the capacity i don't have the cash flow and that's part of the problem in this industry a it's you know we don't have access to safe banking we right. don't have as a woman of color it's so impossible to almost raise capital especially in cannabis right now i have a lot of people always watching me i've talked to many you know investors that they all got their eye on me and they all are watching but no mm-hmm. one's you know no one's opened their pocket but quite yet um right. i did actually i'm lying i did have an angel investor recently give me um a hundred thousand dollars thank you so much yeah. uh, which is what is funding my my you know my expansion, expansion. into the yeah. So I'm very excited about that. They made that very possible for me. But it's been a long haul, um, you know, and I do have some people, you know, that I contract out, like, you know, that I'll pay 
Venmo, yeah. like to do events sometimes if I if I can't be I can't be in two places at once and a lot of events happen. So I have what I call like brand ambassadors that I'll pay that will right. be at events for me or you know I have someone that does like design work because I can't I'm not do it all. I don't, so I'm not a computer person. Um, I have you know so little people that I pay certain things, but actual employees I don't have any yet. I'm hoping to grow into that and to grow into a bigger company. But right now you know I own 100% of Queen Mary, which um, someone just told me at the um, BizCon, and yeah. it, you know we tend to not as women or as people be proud of what we do. I'm very humble, and you know, and, and I know things are happening. But people, someone said to me, so you've managed to take in like 5% of the market share in California and you're expanding into three states all without any backing or funding. You're doing, you did it on 10 K. Yes. And I'm like, uh-huh. And they're like, that's remarkable. Like it is you, remarkable. You need to, you need to produce, like that people know what I was like, I guess like, I'm just so busy working. That, that, I don't that, think that, that, is, that, is. that is remarkable that you've done that with such minimum, uh, uh, external outside investment into your 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 business and um so i mean this question i have to ask is how are you going to get more money how am i right. going to get exactly yeah. and yes. it's mostly about i'm gonna put with this expansion you get money by people looking at your all people care about is the bottom line how much money in sales do you have how, what's your yeah. overhead what's your cost and you know when i was talking to investors before like 6 months ago i realized um though i'm doing well i wasn't ready for investors really because okay. a lot of things they asked for a i was like what's a performa what's yeah. what do you mean like he, i have money here like i don't know like all these different things that businesses should have I was like, I'm just doing it. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> right. So um, I think what, you know, part of growing money is with this expansion and I'm working with another company, like um, doing digital displays and getting my own data because data is very important to know what your sales are, who your customer base is. And this is stuff that you don't get from dispensaries. So I'm having to make deals and like being able to find that out and like knowing mm -hmm. like in certain locations, am I the number one, number two selling gummy in your store? Yeah. And not just based on the sales, I mean, really know that kind of information. And so I've been building that and making that yeah. path. And I think over the next six months, I'll be in a position where people will really, people will start coming to Queen Mary and want to invest because of what we're doing and how I've managed to build it. We have low overhead because, you know, I'm unlicensed and I, you know, I work under other people's licenses and mm -hmm. we're expanding and, you know, but we, I own my business. I own, you know, we work on everything. And so that's the growth path of that. So I see it coming. And if not, I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. I'll find well, it's working. Well, there's a way. <laughs> yeah, it, absolutely. And you keep that belief, Tiana. It is working and it will work. Uh, and and the, the, the key thing is you, you're creating an amazing product. Thank you. That you can't forget. And consumers will always look for you if they like it. Absolutely. Right. And, and they'll always the look for you. I think right now I have my mental health line, which is the tincture and the two gummies. I mark it as a daily cannabis regimen. That's another okay. thing I'm doing that no one knows about is like the tincture in the morning, the maintenance gummy in the day, and then the mm -hmm. sleep aid gummy at night. So it's a three-step process, easy as one, two, three. And nice. it's all about mental health. And then my next line coming out will be about, I'm going to do a physical health, which is more like, you know, um, like an immunity and a multivitamin and kind of mm -hmm. things that help your body that you need more, more vitamins mm -hmm. along with your cannabis. So I'll have the physical and mental health lines. So that's where I'm going with me, Mary. Oh, that's great. That's, you got it right here on plant profits 
you got it directly from Tiana Woodruff, CEO and founder of award-winning brand Queen Mary. Tiana, thank you for appearing on our show today at Plant Profits. And um, hey, when important things happen in the journey of Queen Mary, please come back to Plant Profits and Absolutely. share it with the audience. Uh, we'd love to to be that for you as we Absolutely. do for the guests of our show. So really, really appreciate that. I'm Vern Davis. I am the host of Plant Profits. And again, I said, my guest today was Tiana Woodruff, CEO and founder of award-winning brand, the Queen Mary. I want to thank you all for joining us uh, today on the show. And I want you to go out and look for this episode, of course, and all other past episodes uh, of Plant Profits. And you can start with CannabisRadio.com. That's our partner in this venture. And we love the relationship we have with them. And when you go there, right, give us a five-star rating. Give us a positive review. Say something about the podcast. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us in anywhere you get your podcast: Apple, Spotify, iHeart, Amazon Music, Audible, etc. Anywhere you get your podcast, please listen to and download Plant Profits. And then you, Protus Global, my company, follow us, and you can follow us on all social media outlets: LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And finally, learn more about how we're building companies, how we're changing people's lives in this industry. That's Protis Global, P-R-O-T-I-S, global.com. Until next time, cheers. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.